It's time for everybody's favorite show about the great state of Utah. It's the New Utah Podcast with your hosts, free defender of all that is woman, Jeremy, the daddest of dads, Jessica, producer extraordinaire, and Chris, pretend radio leader of the show. The dog's trying to play with the mixer over here. She's like, hey, what's this thing? I'm going to smell it and lick it. Lick it. Better than the cat, lick though. It. I know. The cat wants to push buttons. The cat's like, I'm going to walk on this thing, fuckers. <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. So it is uh, episode 199 of the New Utah Podcast. Thanks for joining us on, you know, whatever. I'm sure you're at home listening to this. Probably because, now. Like, no one's working. Unless you work at my work. And, and then mine, too. And then they just want you to die. <laughs> People are still buying cars. So. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how that. They might have more time to buy cars, honestly. We'll talk a That's lot true. about uh, coronavirus, <laughs> COVID-19. I would imagine there's not usually, like, big throngs of people. No. <laughs> yeah, we have, I think our employee staff is just under 100, and none of us are ever in the same space at the same time either, so. The old guy in your office with the cough, keep an eye out on him. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, no, that makes me so angry. He has three weeks of paid vacation and he refuses to take it when he's sick because he'll be bored at home. That uh, is literally what came out of his mouth. So, well, we'll talk about, I'm, I'm not going to get into it yet because we got to, we're going to do a whole segment on, okay. on, on dumbasses and sick people and coronavirus. So. First, Chris. COVID-19, please. Chris, I have something for you. <gasps> oh, did you give me chicks and hands? Shit. Yeah. What the hell is this though? Oh, for, you know who has the frittles? Is Harmon's by the house now carries these. I saw them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. good. Sounds it's so. probably because the family that um, makes them is out this way. So, <sighs> so what is this? It looks like an exploded Skittle. Oh, a, she didn't. She, she wasn't, wasn't in the there. Car. In the car. So you could find chicks and hens, but good luck with toilet paper. Well, you could wipe your butt oh, with a chicken hen. So remember when you That's said disgusting. you tried to find Walmart, them huh? at Walmart? They weren't by the Easter stuff. They were actually in the checkout lot, in one of the checkout That's lines. That's weird. Yeah, I can't. Well, and I couldn't find them at um, Harmon's. Smith's is the only place I've been able to find them, but I don't ever go to Smith's. I got you. Okay, I want to know what these things are, because they look they're like freeze, dried Skittles. Freeze-dried Skittles. Oh, so they are exploded they are Skittles. Exploded Skittles. I said they looked like it, Open them things. up and try one. I want to get your reaction. That could look I, like little billiard balls. It's too early. Give me yeah, they do. Candy. It's not too no, early it's for not. Candy. But what kind of heresy is that shit? It's too early <laughs> for candy. Jeremy will back me up on this one. Jeremy doesn't like candy any That's time okay. of the fucking day. He doesn't count. Yeah, I'm not a I very good judge. I just need somebody to back me up, okay, though. Try. <laughs> just take a couple of those yeah. and just try them. It'll change your I'll life. I'll take a purple one. That's fine. That's grape. In, in the, you can chew them on the mic so people can hear how I'll do it. Oh, crunchy. So that's that's freeze dried Skittle for you. Folks. That's some straight up ASMR. Who makes them? Um, it's Woo! a family that's in Harriman. I can't remember. That is like a major sugar names, rush. <laughs> that gets under your tongue, man. They have a little bit of a texture like a Whopper, is how yeah, I would explain of. it. But they're freaking awesome. It's like exploded freeze dried sugar. Yeah, oh, that's pretty much what awesome. it is. I need water after. The only problem is I'm not a big donut eater. <laughs> the only problem is when I go to buy these, then I buy a donut because the place that carries them makes really good donuts. It's Jack's Donuts, Yeah. Right? <laughs> the Jack's Donuts in, in uh, West Jordan over by the Smiths uh, in 56th or whatever in 78th. Um, closed. So oh, sad. The Jack's Donuts it. closed down. Yeah. There's still the one in Daybreak. Yeah, there's one in Daybreak and then the one out in um, American Fork. That's just disappointing. 
Jack doesn't make very good donuts, apparently, in West I did, Jordan. I did donut with Jack doesn't cinnamon know toast crunch on the top. Awesome. <laughs> Jack don't know donuts. Jack don't know Jack. So you wanted the dog out of the the chopper, the little chihuahua out of uh-huh. here to not bug Phoebe, but we didn't realize both cats are in here. So she's like, She's behind the thing playing with the cats? Yeah. Full-blown morning Phoebe is what you people are getting. Yeah, this is this is Phoebe who hasn't been on a walk or played ball this morning. So we did try to attack us at the door. Speaking of, we are recording on a Saturday, which is a weird day for us. On a Sunday, on a Sunday, even weirder, even weirder, weirder. (laughs) Uh, because we're going to be talking to our friend Peter from Ireland, um, who I don't know if is is sick or not yet. I wrote Donegal on here, but I meant to write Donegal. Yeah, Peter. I just realized that. It's all the same. If you just say it like an Irishman, it's the same. It's the same. Peter Dongan. There you go. <laughs> Peter Dongan. <laughs> See, it doesn't, you can't really tell. Wow. <laughs> when he goes back to listen to this, he's going to have comments. <laughs> oh, he'll have comments when he talks oh, to us. Oh, man. Um, so we're going to be talking to him, so that's why we're recording on an early Sunday morning. And so last week's show, we, uh, last week's show, we uh, recorded early with City Weekly uh, at their place. But he already wants to come back, so that's <laughs> He was around. fun. In part because I was supposed to be out of town. And we're doing this one because, I mean, besides having an Irish guest, I was supposed to be because out of town. Because Justin's supposed to be out of town, <laughs> and neither of those trips happened, <laughs> thanks to things uh, called coronavirus. So, Have you been able to get your flight canceled and refunded uh, yet? Y- yeah. So, <laughs> Delta, you just... Put in your number for the callback, folks. Like it will be ours. But I've my, been trying for four days to my get through the travel. My sister-in-law works for Delta. She's one of the call-in agents. She said two days ago when she was sending a message to the family in general, it was a six-hour wait. Yep, six hours. And don't wait on the phone. Just call. It'll give you the option to leave your number. Put your number in. They will call you back. Don't fucking miss the callback. Call. And if you're local, my aunt and uncle just went actually to the airport and went in and <laughs> got actually, an agent to change it. Because there's probably no one at the yeah. fucking airport. It's probably a lot quicker that way. Yep. Actually, that's, but, that's a good idea. I haven't. So it took me two days to actually get a, like able to get on to Travelocity's link to cancel. Like it just kept giving an error for yeah. two days. And then... Um, so I submitted it that way. Now I'm just waiting to hear back. So, so crazy. Yeah. Um, so I, I saw, we'll, we'll go back to the coronavirus in, in just a bit. So you should call COVID-19. Whatever. It's a beer, beer virus. I need some limes. It's actually a SARS virus. If uh, you really want to be technical. It's, it's similar to, it's an upper respiratory disease. So that's SARS just means South Asian respiratory syndrome. MERS, which it's also related to so is Middle be, East respiratory could syndrome. Could this be CHERS? No, I mean, no, it's it really still Asian. SARS. It's, still a, Asian. it's a South Asian. It's still, <laughs> still South Asian. Not South China? Asian. Yeah, but CHERS. Maybe it could be worse. <laughs> Wuhan. No. <laughs> the people who are still calling it the Wuhan virus need to be stabbed in the face. Uh, just don't be racist, folks. Um, okay, so Jeremy, you I saw you planted potatoes. We, I did. So Sh- should I plant my potatoes? Because I was actually considering yes. it yesterday. Now's the time. Now's I, the time. I went out and I looked, and I'm like, my fucking garden, the bed is growing weeds. It is the second week of March, and the grass is turning green, and the garden's growing weeds, and that's not right for Utah. Like, that's way early, I think. So... Potatoes, peas, and any other root vegetable like and lettuce. Lettuce is really perfect lettuce to plant right now. Likes the cold weather, cold, colder weather. What about cabbage? Does cabbage like cold weather, or just your your big leafy mm-hmm. greens? No, I would give it. Uh, so any any root vegetable, carrots, turnips, beets, any of that you could plant now. But I always plant my potatoes, and then the years I do peas, which I'm not going to this year. But the years I do peas, I plant. 
potatoes and peas around St. Patrick's Day weekend. And peas like the snow, so... They like the cold. Yeah. They thrive in it. So maybe I should... So if you're going to do potatoes, anytime now, basically. Yeah. So I got to clean out my bed, which shouldn't take too long because the weeds are still small. And I don't think I'm going to put new soil on it this year. I think I'm just going to have to weed. Well, aren't you going to put the newspaper down? No, if I don't put new soil, I won't. And so, because I got to put the newspaper on. I'm not helping you weed then. (laughs) Now's the time, though, to get the weeds because they'll come up super easy as opposed to a month from now when it will be horrible. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, yeah, and then I can do, uh, maybe I'll do some leafy greens and try those. I've never done that. So I did. So I've always been told you're not supposed to, well, that you shouldn't plant potatoes that you get from the store that you should always get starts, which I've always been like, eh, I don't know if I buy that. Because how many times do you buy a bag of potatoes, sits in the garage or whatever, and it starts, it starts to grow? So, it takes a while for them to sprout, though, if you get ones that have been like properly cold stored somewhere. Right. So, so this year I did an experiment. So one section of the potato garden, last year at the end of the year, we dug up the potatoes. And mm-hmm. I always have a batch that we don't get to that starts to sprout. So we replanted those uh-huh. in one section. I got potato starts from IFA to plant in another section and then one smaller section I just bought a bag of potatoes from the store and planted it and I'm like eh what am I out I'm gonna see I mean my potato bed is probably four times what your entire garden is so it's like if some of it doesn't grow I'll still have plenty yeah I love potatoes I could just plant the whole garden of potatoes and be happy with it probably so we'll see so we'll keep an eye on however I'm pretty confident even the ones I got from the grocery store are going to grow. I'm disappointed the onions didn't really grow ever last year. You saw mine. The, the yeah. tops got six feet tall. And Sometimes onions are really hard to grow. I've done them both from starts and from seeds. I just grow green onions because it's easier. <laughs> and this and this this stupid dog over here is going to be digging shit up. So I got to be. Maybe you need to build her like own like garden. Like, oh, area. I'm going to. So so <laughs> like, I'm going to actually like get, sand pile. Yeah. Well, so they suggest like one of the things you can do if your dog likes to dig like. Digging is a good thing for dogs, and so if they like to dig, you get them like a little kiddie pool, and you fill it with dirt, mm. and you put things in it to put like dig things for. in it that they can dig for, like That's bones cool. and stuff. And so you immediately correct them out of your garden and go put them in the place that they so can that dig. Gives them a That's space cool. to do that. Yeah, so good they know that there's a place that they can do it. So I might actually do that for her. Um, so, we'll see. so yes, I did potatoes. It was iffy though because we got a lot of rain yesterday. Yeah. So that's why it was iffy, but I. I caught a spot between the rain. We got it all planted. So Yeah, and then I noticed my trees are blooming as well, which is uh, gives me pause because there's well, a good we're chance. Mid, we're mid-March, though. If it was February, I think I would Technically, first day of spring is this next week. Yeah, I guess so. Technically. Is it the 20th? 20th? The 21st? Something like that. It's usually the 21st, I think. The cat, the cat sitting on my calendar. Yeah, he's he's trying to participate again. <laughs> he likes hanging out in here when we're doing stuff. He wants so. to be part of the national day list. Uh, also, um, so uh, uh, what about your bees? So bees are still alive. I did take out one cork. Now that we're in the forties to fifties, generally speaking, <laughs> I like speaking. how we're in the. <laughs> well, because every once in a while we'll get a night that's a little bit yeah. colder, but overall. So I, I did pull out a cork, and I'm pretty much every day I'm seeing them out. I haven't opened it up. I, I'm not going to do that probably till until it gets a little bit warmer. Till the end of this month into April, I need it to be about 60-ish before I open it up, but all good signs so far. Yeah, if there's still bees, that's a really good sign that there's yeah. still a queen. And then hopefully I can get 
a winter harvest. So we'll see. And then the baby chicks at this point have doubled in size. Um, probably another one to two weeks. Oh, nice. And, and I'll start transitioning them out with the bigger ones. So I, I think I told, I think I brought it up on here, but I, I built like a little mini coop within the coop. Yeah. To put them in so that they can be out there with the bigger chicks, but be integrated. And the, the bigger, the bigger ones will kill them. And flat out, they'll yeah. kill them if I just threw them in there with it. So it's a, like a transition. It's a halfway house. That's a transitional home <laughs> for my chickens. chickens. So the chickens can get used to them. So it's weird. So I got I got three different kinds. And one of them, one style, it's kind of a caramel color. They are like a lot bigger than the black and white ones and the brown one. Like significantly bigger. It's weird. I, I'm assuming they'll all pretty much catch up in size at some point, but it's just it's just crazy how they were all the same size when I got them, and now I've got about four or five of them that are significantly bigger than the rest. But anyway, the chicks are doing good. The chickens, eh, they're old. They're going to die. We're getting about three or four eggs a day, which for eight chickens, that's a little ah. disappointing. But with how old they are, I'm not ah. too terribly surprised. So yeah. at least I have eggs because <laughs> you can't get them in the store right now. What? Really? Those yeah. are those are gone too, huh? So I got mine at the farmer's market yesterday, and then I decided to go to the Asian supermarket that we love. Which is totally awesome and probably... Uh, it was amazing. It was completely stocked of everything. Yeah. I mean, they don't normally carry toilet paper, so that's not something that like they would have had anyways, just because that's apparently what everybody wants right now, but... They had vegetables. They had fruit. They had. I bought. I bought pork belly bacon. Like already cut, like thin slice. It is freaking beautiful. Their pork belly. They have like whole pork bellies, like fucking so, huge slabs of it. It's great. Yeah. So I spent. I think I spent like four fifty on eggs at the farmers market, which was fine, just because it's going to local farmer. Um, but then they had eggs what? also at the. Um, they have Asian. Quail, they have quail eggs well, I just bought regular eggs. like Oakdale eggs, but I eat a lot of eggs every week, and so. Like, I needed more than just one container, so... Well, and you can always go to Oakdale. It's in the middle of the fucking valley. And you can go to Winder, which is in the middle of the valley. Right. Milk. Or Fazio Egg is over Fa- there, Yeah, too. Fazio Egg is actually the one I was thinking it of. It just was... It was awesome. And I barely waited in line. So, like. well... Yeah, because there's not... Like, it's not crazy because people are like, Oh, God, the Chinese were scared. I know. My mom's like, you know, all the stuff you just bought. And I was like, yeah, just like all the stuff that you're buying at any other store comes from China. Like, uh, like it doesn't matter. All the stuff you're ordering from Amazon is... <laughs> wash your vegetables. Prepackaged foods are fine. And wash your hands. And wash your fucking hands. Don't, yeah. That means really simple. And don't don't handle that stuff and then pick your nose. So, uh... What? Dang it. Oh, man. <laughs> Hands on your face. So, so Chopper, uh, Chopper had a bit of a thing this week. Um, if it's not my dog, it's yours, it seems. <sighs> well, so he's getting older. He's 12. Uh, and Sunday he was starting to cough a lot. We thought maybe he was coming down what? with the coronavirus or something. Uh, <laughs> for dogs. But, <laughs> but, um, Monday night he kept us up literally all night. Like we did not sleep a wink last Monday. Uh, and then, uh, so Tuesday, I'm like, we got to get him in. Like, the coughing is obscene. Like, it is so loud. It was like he was having a hard time breathing. Like, we got to get him in. So I call. I end up having to call a few vets. I get him an appointment for uh, for Tuesday. And uh, um, on Tuesday, uh, I take him in. Before I even get back to my office, I get a call from the vet. She's like, I did a preliminary check. I listened to his heart. He has a grade four heart murmur. 
And heart murmurs are graded in uh, a scale from one to six, one being really slight, you can barely hear it, uh, with the stethoscope all the way up to a six, which you can hear it and even feel it in the outside of their chest. And a four is severe, so when they move over to a four is when you can hear it on both sides of the chest, meaning it's in, you know, all of the chambers of the heart basically are affected by it. So, uh, she's like, I really suggest you get an ultrasound. We'd like to do an x-ray to see if there's like fluid on the lungs and what kind of damage is there. See if his heart's enlarged at all. So they did an x-ray. His heart's not enlarged. Uh, he had a shit ton of fluid on his lungs, but they gave him what I later find out is the trifecta of yeah. drugs for, uh, heart failure, which is like, uh, 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 uh Blood thinner for blood pressure and a, uh, a heart medication to help keep the heart from growing in size. And then um, a, a water pill, basically. That's uh, basically what Ebo's on. Yeah. So so we start giving him, that, giving him that. And she's like, you really ought to get him an ultrasound. I'm like, well, how emergent is it? Because I scheduled one for the 30th because that was the first time AVC could get me in. And she's like, well... Basically, if he gets any worse, you need to make it an emergency. So in the meantime, uh, Bree works with a lady whose husband is a vet uh, locally, um, and and uh, her friend uses him for everything, and she is hearing what's going on, and she's like texting him like, hey, they need to get their dog in for an electrocardiogram. AVC is booked out until the 30th, and everyone else in the Valley is telling me to go to AVC that I called. Yeah. And uh, uh, so he's like, no, 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 go to this place. I'm going to call him. And so he called in and said, hey, you need to see these guys in the next couple of days. So we went. Um, it's a place called uh, Mobile Vet Clinic, which basically is these these uh, handful of vets, like two or three of them, that travel around the Wasatch Front and do imaging for veterinary clinics that don't have things like ultrasounds. So they do electrocardiograms and ultrasounds and all kinds of crap. Uh, but they're like, if you come into the clinic in the morning, we can see you here, or we can go to your vet and schedule that out with them. I'm like, I'll just come in the morning. That's fine. Good news is, uh, while he has a grade five heart murmur, according <laughs> to her, which is even worse, his heart is not really enlarged. He has a very mild enlargement of the right at- or the left atrium. Left. Uh, and she thinks he has, uh, she says he has a very mild, um, I think she agreed like that a it is a B2, uh, mitral valve degeneration, which is normal for older dogs that their hearts start to degenerate. So nothing, the prognosis is really good, basically. She's really concerned because he does have that, that cough, which is not related to the heart problem. Uh, at least she doesn't think so. Like the, well, it could have been when it was really bad, but. With his little fluid and his little damage, she's not really sure why he's coughing. Yeah, so the, the heart doesn't have a lot of damage to it, but the fluid in the lungs, obviously. So she thinks he might actually have SARS um, hmm. or a respiratory condition of some <laughs> sort. So, <laughs> so she she actually changed like his medication. Yeah, DARS for dogs. She changed his medication quite a bit um, and called our vet. And She thinks that the... That his trachea might have actually collapsed more than just what it what it has been, and that he may need a stint. But we have to get all of this cleaned up first. So he's on an antibiotic because um, he she thinks they, there might be bacteria in his heart and stuff. But he was up again all last night. So yeah, an antibacterial. You didn't say that. <laughs> She's been saying it all morning. I've been giving her shit, and now she didn't say it. Because I've been giving her shit all morning. 
I'm also trying to keep Phoebe on that spot. I know. That's good good training exercise for her. Uh, Jess, what about your weekend? I mean, that's kind of... Or your week. <sighs> your weekend's been kind oh, of... Oh, it's been okay. It started on Thursday. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, it started on Wednesday when um, I noticed, like, late at night, Anaheim put out the uh, social distancing and limitations on space people being in spaces and i was like it's just gonna be a matter of time and so thursday we just watched the news all day and broke two little girls hearts and and uh yeah it was really it was really sad but uh we'll reschedule so that's not a big deal i just got really frustrated because i was i didn't have any food at my house because i was gonna gonna be be gone for a week and And i had to go to to the store and all i wanted was bananas (laughs) there was like not there's nothing so i got i mean i got stuff that i normally eat and like it's okay if you can afford it people like Buy the more expensive cans so people that can't afford the cheaper cans can buy those. Like, and go to the Asian was, market. Yeah. Anyway, so I, well, I left and then my new roommate like text all of us at 1045 at night and I was already mad about all of it. And I was just, she's like, we just need to all be in this together and stay safe. And I was like, I didn't even respond. I was so mad. You're like, just stay in your fucking room, bitch. So Friday, yeah. So Friday, <laughs> no. So Friday, you know, when the world is ending, what do you do? You spend lots of money, right? So I bought a new washer and dryer. <laughs> and but that's been a, a long new time phone. coming. Yeah, no, it has because the dryer that I got in. She so got the actual summer, new one, not brand like new. The yep. one. They'll be here on at my house on Thursday. Maybe. So yeah. Yes. Oh, hopefully, yeah, they should be. Anyways, uh, so I went to the farmer's market, um, which was fairly busy. There was a lot of vendors that weren't there, but all the ones that give samples weren't giving samples, um, which was awesome. Um, just because it's really, it's really important that we are supporting our local people right now. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you can't get out, contact them and see if they have gift cards so that you can patronize them once everything is back to normal because it will get back to normal and and speaking of local vendors we didn't talk about this because we pre-recorded last week's episode but uh last weekend oh yeah it it was last last it was a week ago today actually so it was sunday early sunday morning like 5 30 in the morning um oleo uh oleo was broken into (laughs) well and like what sucks is like clearly the person that broke in knew what they were doing and knew where stuff was at well because the video is their cbd wall also yeah like that stuff is like went right to that stole that stole a few other bottles of stuff like stole all the beard oil and then when they left they smashed like all the oils which is just a total dick move like clearly the the person that did it was trying to hurt them yeah right it wasn't necessarily like a because they didn't take all of the stuff that actually like computers and tvs and yeah and well and even like like the big bottles of oils and stuff like that well, they that took are some of those but no, 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 no i'm not talking about the prepared oils i'm talking about the stock on the shelves i'm talking about not the stuff that's in display right, but the, in the stuff back, in the back right. that like is they, clearly there they used to make stuff yeah like that's the expensive stuff that's the stuff that's really damaging not that the cbd wasn't cuz the problem is that's not their product right. and so they're they're paying for that and then reselling it uh, and so that is a big loss for them to lose that Luckily, I don't think they keep a lot of it in on hand, and so. Well, and hopefully they've got good insurance. And... But 
So it really sucks. So try and support them if you can. They're going yeah. to go. They're going through a little bit of a rough patch as a result. So which kind of sucks. Well, and especially with all of this too on top. But yeah. they do ship. So if you need soap oils, yeah, yeah, just go to their yeah, website. And you can subscribe and, so that your stuff comes regularly. Even so. yep. So that just it was. I I get that we're supposed to be uh, social distancing. Um. Some people would say that I'm irresponsible by going to the farmer's market. No. I did go, I did go to a concert those, on Friday but night. You know what? Those same, I feel like the farmer's market is the same as the grocery store. Yeah, those store. same people that think you're irresponsible right. for going to the farmer's market were in a line of 200 going sure. in the fucking Sure. And Costco. I did go to a concert on Friday night at a very, I went to Liquid Joe's, which is a very small capacity club. Um, it was really fun, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. So Jess is going to infect us all. Yes. Way, just so I you guys know. I am going to. Uh, no. I'm it, only uh, three feet away so from two of you. I think that Jeremy's going to do it because his daughter is in a dorm room with a girl that just came back from, from Paris. And works, and works at a grocery store. And she works at a grocery store. So I think that it's Jeremy that's going to do it. And Salt Lake, for the record, Salt Lake City didn't have any cases until this morning until like way late last night yeah. and then they had 14 in Kern, but, but it, by the way incurred yeah but keep keep, <laughs> a, keep in mind too like we're at the tip of the iceberg so what right. what cases we're seeing is confirmed that's with the little testing that we're doing mm-hmm. um but, 60 a day so let's let's well first off are there any events jess uh no there's there's not there's not any event i mean there there's, are but just really keep not. it there are right there are people that you know movie theaters have limited their capacities restaurants are limiting their capacities things are still open just be smart about going out if you don't feel well don't, don't go, out. go out if you have a cough don't if you go have out a sniffle don't go out right the pro- but also, like, be careful who you're judging because some people exactly. have, some like, chronic cough. things. Bree and asthma. I have chronic cough, cough yeah. so, like, you know, some chronic of us just cross. have really crappy, like, post-nasal drip or esophageal problems. Chronic cross. People with asthma oftentimes will cough. So, like, that was the just first like thing it. that the, the doctor who gave Chopper his echocardiogram said was, I promise this is asthma as she's kind of sniffling and stuff. But, but yeah, even, even when we go into the vet, like the, in, uh, on Friday, she's like, we're practicing social distancing. She's like, so I'm just going to stay over here. I've already set out the thing for you to fill out on the, the seat. Like we kept a, yeah. a pretty strong distance. The, the closest time. we were was when we had to pass the dog off and when the doctor had to come over and, and talk to us. Cause you know, who wants to yell across the room? Right. About your well, and people think that I'm in big groups all the time. Like I had a, fr- I, I did have a friend that, did shame me on Friday for going out. It's not I'm like, when do, when do I ever flippantly make decisions? Like that's not in my nature. <laughs> and, um, but every other day I sit in an office with one person and the old guy that coughs. Right. And then, <laughs> and then I'm at home, like, and none of the roommates are by each other. And so. I do plenty of social distancing. Yeah, that's actually a, that's a requirement to be a roommate with Jess. You have to actually lock yourself you in do. the room. That's it's only rooming. It's no yeah. boarding. There's, you just no. lock yourself in the room. That's you not get true. Ten minutes every three hours to use the bathroom. No, I actually saw twenty minutes every every roommate yesterday. <laughs> your, your mail's on the stairs. It is. Yeah, don't even talk to her. Just pick it up. <laughs> she uses gloves to bring it in. It's no, the whole that's thing. not true. You get to use the microwave twice a day. Right. It's like 10 minute in increments. And but right. no silverware or dishes. Don't even touch it. No, you got to buy your own. because they're like, all in rooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gross. No, uh, he's getting better. But <clears throat> anyways, no, I just, yeah. So just, so as far as events, do pay attention to what's going on. Um, 
you know, if you had tickets to a, like a local art performance or something, don't get a refund. Make sure that money goes to local people. Like, you know, I, I just, we have to make sure that we're still supporting people. A lot of people are are out of jobs right now. So, well, and it's, it's, so let's, let's talk more about Corona. Okay. Um, so there's a couple of things here. Because it's going to be a bit before Peter gets to us, so well, we have it's like ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah, so we got time. Because um, I, you can go find tons of good and bad information on Corona, but the couple things that I printed for us to kind yeah, of go people through. be careful where you're getting your news to. Don't don't look at your Facebook feed for anything. Most of the most of the local news sites have some really good blog tickers, or you could go straight to the CDC. Okay, but the CDC is not going to tell you all the shit that's going on locally. You can go to your local CDC. They're not going to tell you all the shit that's going on locally. They're going to tell you how to take care of coronavirus and how to distance yourself and take proper okay. precautions. Okay, don't lecture oh, I like me. this. This is nice and new. Thanks. Yeah, I tried to get it this morning as early as possible. So if you go to most of the local news stations like Fox and KSL, they have live update blogs. And so the reason that's important is there's a lot of changes happening like every hour, basically. So things being shut down, cities enacting policies. The lieutenant governor has also been doing like live feeds and giving updates quite frequently because he's part of the... um, Like the response team. Yeah. He's head of it, isn't he? And, uh, yeah, I think so. And Twitter is a good resource mm-hmm. um, if you follow official agencies. So the reason I bring this up is, look, we can talk a lot about like how to take care of yourself with coronavirus and proper distancing, but I think I want to kind of go through some of the big changes that have occurred. Um, and so like uh, you can see like with Fox's, um, the, or as early as this morning, so this is Sunday the 15th, uh, Woodward Park uh, City has announced that suspending both indoor and outdoor activities between March 15th and the 22nd. Kearns, Mayor Kelly And that's Bush. the new indoor... Um, athletic park, yeah. by the way. Uh, Kelly Bush from the Kearns mayor has declared a local public health emergency um, and uh, implements a whole bunch of crap, including what Herbert announced at the end of last week, which is no gatherings larger than 100 people. Well, the reason Kearns is is because the announcement last night was that the, inf- the Salt Lake infected people are in Mostly Hunter here. High School. Yeah. Was the one a kid from Hunter High which, School? Hunter High School is basically West Valley. Come on. <laughs> It's right on the edge. It's like 39th and... I think the school is in Kearns, but but they have kids... Like, most of the kids are West yeah. Valley kids, because it's, it's part of West Valley. Right? Most of the kids actually live in Kearns, go to Kearns. Um, so, there's a lot of, a lot of things going on in that. So, most of the stores, so this says Winco stores as of last night, but I think most stores, even Walmart Nationwide yeah, has they done have this. Been. Walmart Nationwide has changed all their stores I to close at 11. I think so Smith has Peterson's, also. Peterson's, Maya, when she got home from work last night, said that they're adjusting yeah. their times. Most of the 24-hour stores have mm-hmm. stopped the 24 hours they're ending hours at like 11 or so some as early as like eight yeah and it's basically so they have time to restock and so their employees have a break and they can clean because it is not like if you've been to a grocery store in the last week it is non-stop, non-stop and they can't keep up with the demand and Maya's, so since this last week was her spring break she worked she was scheduled to work the whole time but normal five six hour shifts she's put in 10 12 hours every day this whole week and last yesterday, speaking of crazy people, so the truck, the stocking truck showed up like at four and she said there was a 
crowd of people around the back of the building as if as if they're going to take it off the truck and hand it to you. It's got to go through the processing. But yeah. some lady barricaded herself in front, her car in front of the delivery truck and refused to move until she got toilet paper, which, by the way, they didn't have any in that shipment. Also, by the way, if you do that, they can call the cops they, they and did. have your they ass arrested. Yep. They called the cops and they hauled her away. So Good. don't don't do dumb shit. Like, don't fucking lose your mind. You're not the the supply chain of stuff has not dried up. It looks that way because everyone's lost their fucking mind and bought tons of shit they don't need. Right. Like I watch people fucking go to the grocery store and they have like two carts full of shit and they're grabbing stuff. Just that, randomly. Just like, oh, there's a fucking can of beans six aisles from where it belongs. I'm just going to throw that in my cart because why the fuck not? Because maybe it's over here because there's no more. I don't know. Honestly, well, that you're would taking be fun away to do. from old people. Well, and there's plenty. You're of people taking away from fixed incomes. You're taking away from people who have dietary restrictions. People who are on a fixed income and can only afford to shop once a week, right? And a, a limited amount of things that they. So can there's get. probably going to be another upsurge this coming up week because it's payday something, for a lot of people. Something to keep in mind too: uh, if you identify price gouging, please call yes, the authorities. It's against the law. It is against the law. In Utah. Thousand dollar fine for each instance, yeah. which means if they sell thirteen things, they're going to pay out thirteen grand in price gouging. Good. And then, I want every single person to be reported. So, <laughs> I mean, I get it if you decide you're going to increase the cost of toilet paper like a buck or two like because it is flying off the shelves and that may discourage a few people from getting a whole nother pack or something. But don't double your price. But price gouging people. is like buying a case of like the guy sanitizer. in Tennessee that filled his whole entire garage with hand sanitizer. Yes. And then and then selling it for ten dollars a bottle. It's normally two. That's price gouging. But Amazon got wind of it and shut him down like yep. quickly. Yep. So, but that's just that's just it. If you run into that stuff, um, absolutely report it to the authorities. Um, they'll take action and they'll find those merchants for being cocksuckers. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, it sounds like T-Mobile and Sprint are making some actions to improve their network. Don't for forget people. about all the schools. Just, I'm sure everybody's heard it, but all of the, the entire upper, state of Utah. So they're every, not closed. They're dismissed, which allows for the teachers to still get paid. Well, and I'm talking yeah. about like, you uni- know, all the universities have gone online. Mm-hmm. I don't know of any that haven't. They're pretty much Mount across the country. The, um, there's, yeah. Uh, pretty much across the country, every university is going I know the U courses. has, and I know Weber. both Mountain Mountain State and Technical and hasn't have. yet. Yeah, every accredited school <laughs> in the state. <laughs> I don't know if Mountain Technical's accredited. It's a, yeah, it's a, uh, like a, t- it's like a, like Western like Governors DATC? University. No, it's like a trade school. Oh, but okay. Jeremy, didn't you say that the U said that if, you go out of the country that you're supposed to be corned. If you left the country for spring break, don't come back. But Maya's roommate yep. who went to France, which also speaking of, uh, is closed. You can't come back from Europe now at all. Yeah. Uh, it's closed for the next 30 days, including uh, the UK now. All the cruise, Ireland. all the cruise ships, uh, all the major cruise lines have suspended operations for the next 30 days, uh, mostly because the, no ports would allow them in anyway. Disneyland, so, all the lands are closed. Yeah, all the theme parks are closing. Uh, Loveland, uh, Living Planet Aquarium is closed for the next week. Um, uh, most of the resorts are closing. So Park City, Deer Valley, Solitude, mm-hmm. I think all the others are going uh, as well. Alta. So they're all going to close down. Um, 
all of the Salt Lake City schools, uh, all of the the Utah schools entirely, they're yeah, all on a two now. week two week soft suspension, uh, which means they're going to try and do some sort of online stuff for kids. Some of them will have that capability. Uh, but well, they're still providing breakfasts right. and lunches, and they'll probably still have like some programs. The te- there will be teachers at the school for kids that need. Yeah, but it's that need <laughs> very limited. Well, and so like okay, so let's talk about some personal stuff. So my work enacted a whole bunch of crap last week at the end of last week on Thursday um, that made my night uh, my two days of living hell. Um, but uh, part of that was preparing to be able to have all of our staff work from home if need be or have a skeleton crew in the office. Uh, and part of that was it was interesting because this was before all the schools started closing. That was when we just found out about the case and the cases in Murray and in the Jordan School District of confirmed coronavirus. Um, but uh, the like our COO was like, well, what's going to happen is the schools are going to close. And as soon as the schools close, daycares are going to close. And then our staff will have to be home taking care of their kids anyway. And so we need to be prepared for that. So now we're prepared. And then there's places like Bree's office. They literally put in there, this is just like the flu. We are not doing anything until someone gets COVID-19 and it's confirmed by a doctor and then we'll decide what to do. Yeah. Like we'll, in your office? Yeah. Gets we'll decide it? after yes. someone in the office has a confirmed case of COVID, which means, who's by the way, be the martyr? Who's which go means, out? by the way, you were symptomatic, which this is what's, what you wouldn't know. And this is what's scary about but you're, yeah, you coronavirus. don't, you can pass it for so long before you even, it has a 14 day gestation period, they think, which means you aren't going to see symptoms for two weeks. And you may not see symptoms and you may have it. Yes. And you, and perfectly healthy people may not ever show the symptoms. Yeah. I just want to congratulate Fox for being one of the first news sources that I've seen that has put the actual number of recoveds on because nobody is talking about that. So kudos to Fox for that. Yeah. And so to be fair, for most people, it is relatively mild. It is like a cold, right? It's a respiratory disease. It's very similar to a cold. Um, but, it is particularly bad. It has a very high mortality rate for elderly, young people, and immunocompromised people. So, for instance, and also pregnant mothers are birthing babies that are testing positive. Yeah. So, by the way, so just keep in mind, it's not about you being sick actively. So if it's you're about, pregnant. Just hold it in. So, yeah. <laughs> Just wait a month. <laughs> but that's the whole point of social distancing, right? Like you're perfectly healthy. It doesn't mean everyone around you is, and it doesn't mean you're not carrying the virus. And right, potentially be right. But if you're a person that spends a lot of time with your family and you have elderly people, so like I'm not, not my parents are elderly, but like I'm not going to go see the only old person I'm around ever is my coworker in the office. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's, so that's what it you you know you're but like i'm not gonna go visit my mom because right. i'm out and about my mom is 72 and she has a heart problem right like i'm not gonna She's go see a her high risk yeah and i i texted her on i think it was third wednesday or thursday morning and i'm like you need to go to the store you need to stock up stuff well i was gonna get some eggs and milk and bread i'm like no mom you're like, like <laughs> things that you can keep on hand and make things out of for a long like time because i need you to and... not be in the grocery store yeah uh, so, and it's just, so there's some other stuff that I think is worth mentioning. Um, Rudy Gobert, uh, has really stood up. I don't know how the Larry H. Miller Foundation has not done this themselves. And but, maybe they haven't, we haven't heard about it. 
but like Mark Cuban, uh, who owns uh, a whole bunch of shit. He uh, owns, <clears throat> does he own the Mavericks? Yeah, he owns, he owns the Mavericks, I think. Yeah. But he has said, uh, I'm just going to pay my workers as if we were having yep. games because it's, you know, it's not their fault that they can't work and it, I've got the money to do it. Because that's a lot of people. I mean, when they started shutting down events like that, you know, you have the no March sports. Madness. Yeah, any sports. I mean, your RSL, that's food service workers, that's ushers, that's... Well, and those people, like the people that work concessions and, and work uh, as ushers and security people for RSL games, guess what? They work at the jazz games. Right. They work they at work the Bees games. They work for a company called Le- Levy or Levy, and they that's the company that does all of our sporting yeah, they, events. They work for any the Grizzlies. security people. That, yeah. yeah. yeah those, yep. those, those people like CSC Events, which is a big event security company that operates concerts, and, mm-hmm. and all, they're not they're out of work. I have a lot of friends. I mean, I have friends that work on Broadway in New York City, you know, films that are all shut down. So, so. Rudy Gobert, who's the first NBA player to uh, test positive and had the whole thing. Look, I'm sorry, he but he was joking and I, it was probably something he shouldn't have joked about and he apologized. Right. But on top of that, he's donated a half million dollars to help support these workers that mm-hmm. are out of a job for at least a month and probably longer. Yeah. So, uh, I just like to point out some of that that stuff that's that's good because um, it's important. Um, God, I don't like. There's just so much stuff. Like any major, like the Leonardo is closed. Um, and the DABC says they're going to stay open for now. So, <laughs> so that's important. The church is closed. Yeah, churches. That's right. a big thing. Church. My mom was like, "I'm going to go to church." I'm yeah, like, no, "No, no, mom, you're not." She's like, but why? I'm like, do you not pay attention to the news? <laughs> you, you, you can't, Mom. right? It's like, not it's just not... the it's not just the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. It is basically all churches have yeah. shut down. So. Be- well, and and it becomes illegal to hold a church mass with more than a hundred people starting now, right? Monday, right? Isn't it Monday? Yes. Yeah. But the St. Patrick's Day parade, of course, was canceled all over, though. Um, yeah, basically everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it, it's look, it's it's drastic. Jeremy and us were talking about it last night. Uh, what did you say? One hundred and fifty thousand people die a day. Yeah. So I was, I was the other day. I was curious. I'm like, well, let's see how this compares to just normal life. So you I mean looked people up people that die, and we don't talk about it because we don't talk about death. So I just looked up how many people die on average every day, and one hundred said one hundred and fifty thousand people worldwide die every day on average from everything, old age, whatever. So one hundred and fifty thousand people die a day. So far, we've had five thousand deaths, which is not good. But at the same time, you look at the percentage and what, like Jess said, what they're not telling you very much, 7,200 people have recovered, full recovery. 79,000. Sorry, 79,000 people (laughs) have fully recovered. That's almost half have fully recovered. But, and and I, I would just caution people though, like that, those numbers sound very low, but the whole point is, it is an exponentially growing problem. We're at the very tip of it. Well, and the reason some of those numbers are low, people, don't forget, is because countries are taking these social distancing efforts. If they weren't, those numbers would not be so low. So don't flippantly say well, think- the numbers are low and so it doesn't, this social distancing is stupid. The reason that they're staying low for some of these countries that are handling it well is because of social distancing. Your numbers aren't going to stay low if you guys keep acting well, like Well, Italy actually had an, a 20% increase because people aren't. Yeah, because today. they're not, paying, atten- right, they're not paying attention to the to the regulations. They're like, oh, we're, well, we're quarantined within our country. It's fine. But also, like Jeremy said, the, it, this is this is real. People literally die 
every day. Yes, this is happening at the moment, but people are dying every day. And we don't talk about that because people don't like to talk about death in general. So hopefully this starts to change that conversation. But too. I mean, if you think about it, 5,000 people have died and 150,000 die a day. I mean, that's still a high mortality rate for but what 5,000 single... since January yes. versus since January. Right. So, three, so in three, in a three and realistically, like probably since February, because there weren't very many deaths in January right. as it was starting to break out that we know of because it's China. And China doesn't tell everyone right, everything. Right. And China tried to cover this shit up as long as possible. Well, and we don't really know the numbers here in the States either because we're not testing that many people. Well, and it's not just the U.S. that's having an issue with testing. There are countries that are doing a damn good job, like South Korea. Uh, Canada, they'll come to your house. Yeah, which is par- part of why South Korea probably has such a high rate of infection. Th- that and their weird-ass cult religion that fucking created a huge problem there. But they also have a lot of testing available, and so everyone's getting tested. Here... We're testing like 40 people a day. It's six, I think it's 60. So, so how do you, how do you, when you're only testing less than a hundred people a day, how does your number grow exponentially? It can't. Right. When you have 5,000 cases, or I think where are we at now? Like, tw- like 2,500 cases, but we're only testing 60 people a day. That's not going to grow and balloon like it's supposed to. And we're not testing perfectly healthy individuals. The four of us are probably, unless we get sick and become symptomatic, will not get tested. We can still be carrying and actually have the virus. And so what ends up happening is uh, we have... We're typhoid Marys. Yeah. Well, and we have the, the infections spreading like wildfire. We just don't have a real gauge on how bad it's going to be. But the one thing is clear. The World Health Organization, the CDC, their warnings are serious enough that things like the NBA... Are completely shutting down. When sports and Disneyland shut down and in your major religions, you know that shit's hit the fan. Well, you were saying yesterday, Disneyland's closed how many times? Disney World? This is the fourth time. In the entire history of the park. In 60 years, four times they've closed. One was morning for JFK. One was 9-11. World War II. There was a time at World War II. No. During World War II, there was, was like Pearl Harbor Day or something. Oh. Some, it would have been right at the Pearl beginning right then. After, that yeah. was Arbor. Yeah. So that tells you the severity. And it doesn't, it's not being closed lightly. So while the numbers seem low right now, they're going to get much bigger. And I think the, the concern is this is going to be similar to the Spanish flu of 1918. But here we have a lot more global travel. A lot, like people are flying around the world daily. And going to things that, ne- like, in 1918, you didn't fathom 100,000 people in a theme park on a day. Mm-hmm. Disneyland sees On the plus side, though, since we have the communication that we have, word can get out instantly. Yes. And people can take the precautions. If right. people actually don't panic and just do what they're supposed to do. Right. Don't panic, people. Yeah, considering that, and and these stupid memes that are out about the socialism thing piss me off because Canada still has their damn toilet paper. So does Mexico. Uh, But with that, if you need toilet paper, you can always use leaves uh, or your fingers and wash them off. Uh, The police suggested your lint from your lint trap. But with that, we're going to talk to our guests now, I think, so. Is, are we recording? Is this yes, in record? Okay, so I'm, I'm, my apologies to your You're listeners. Live now. <laughs> we we'd had a rambling beforehand, and that's and just now it's, the nature of our podcast, though, Peter. You're you're actually pretty good at um, 
are rambling, but I'm wondering now, because I know the setup of yours, is it going to be the bit where this is dropped into the middle of it? And in which case it just breaks partway through you having the crack between yourselves. And then it becomes Chris's voice saying, and now we introduce our guest, which is Peter Donegan. Yeah, pretty much. You got it. You You understand the podcast magic for some reason. I get it. I get it. That's just what you have to do when you have guests. Has Jess done events yet? Uh, Yeah, there are no no events. events. Everything's cancelled. Due to COVID-19, we're we're down. Like, legit, we're not kidding. Like, coronavirus has cancelled pretty much anything. In the state of Utah, um, the governor issued a decree, no gatherings of more than 100 people for the next uh, two weeks. So churches closed and... All the schools are shut down. Yep. All the universities, all the... All the sporting schools, events. sporting events, you name it. Yeah, but there's a new logic on that, lads, where, I, and, and my apologies, but lads is a collective Irish term for <laughs> anything that that involves anything at all, including goldfish, uh, sheep, shepherds, guys. and uh, men or women. Um, but I think I think there is a point where I flicked onto Twitter today, and it's not to take away from any of the seriousness of what's actually happening but you have to turn around and kind of go, right, let's just um, go dancing in puddles or make an apple strudel out of, you know, coconut baby oil or something along the lines of, and, and just get on, just get on with the program. Because otherwise you'll go insane if you actually consider it. And that's being genuine, serious as a guy who's um, obviously got a business and, and there's a, a family and there's a mortgage and there's a car and you can't consider it at all. You'll just end up rocking back and forward in a, in, a, in an armchair, you, you you lose your marbles if you if you followed everything that's that's uh, sort of out there. So, but it's it's a pleasure to be on talking to you for St Patrick's Day. It's still St Patrick's Day, irrespective of what's happening around the world or what's not happening. They can't so, take yeah. that away from us. That is no, true. no, it's like Christmas Day. I gotta ask you because in the U.S., St Patrick's Day is just an excuse for idiots to go get like super drunk by on ten green in the morning beer. on green beer, beer that they dyed green, and yeah. then eat. Uh, corned beef and cabbage one time a year because, you know, they're dumb and don't realize it's delicious all times of the year. Um, <laughs> but how do you guys celebrate St. Patrick's Day in Ireland, or is it just like another day for you guys? Well, to, to bring you back on, on the Peter Griffin stereotyping of, <laughs> Irish, of Irish people on St. Patrick's Day, and I am reminded of the YouTube clip where he lands down in the, the plane in Ireland. It's just an entire runway filled with bottles. Um, <laughs> but, but historically, there were three days of the year in Ireland where you couldn't officially drink when church, I guess, or religious holidays and state sort of shook hands and agreed and um, uh, the first one was obviously Christmas Day and then it was Good Friday or the Friday before Easter and it was also St. Patrick's Day so you know on a bank holiday or on an official state holiday which is also a religious holiday traditionally or originally uh, to be told that the pubs are closed and then all of a sudden somebody sort of um, how would you say turns around and says the pubs are open it's a little bit of a um, a momentous occasion. I wasn't born at that time when that rule was undone, but but that's a little bit where it goes back to. But it's a bit. I think it's it's fair to suggest that having done St Patrick's Day in Salt Lake City, you're not too far off the mark of how it would be done internationally around the world. That's the first part, uh, first thing to say. And Salt Lake City is a wonderful place to uh, to really go out and and celebrate the best of of people. And it's it, but when you come back to 
where I live in the smaller towns, even though it's still Dublin, what you'll actually find is, and you're well aware of this, we have a pub that is the size of your living room. Uh, we have one <laughs> petrol station um, and and the population is no greater than about 800. I'm, I'm surrounded by fields and farming and, and horses and, uh, and my next door neighbor. And um, birds, there's a lot of that around the, around the place. But when you when you get to it, what you actually find that happens on St. Patrick's Day for the greater part, outside of what the TV cameras pick up on, it's very much about family and friends. And maybe it's the, the equivalent of your sort of Thanksgiving. And if that's, if that's the best way to describe it, then I think it's okay. What you find a little bit down in the local pub, because there aren't too many buildings around, is that the young kids will go down and they'll do a little bit of the Irish dancing and the Irish traditional music. And as the ages sort of get up to about five o'clock, um, there wouldn't be as such drinking involved, but it's just a place to go and it's it's a part of the community, but it just so also happens to be a, a pub. But it's not a an all-day session as maybe you might see in the city, in the city centre where people come in internationally to celebrate it, if, if that makes better sense to you. And, and yeah, there's a, a family meal and it's usually done a little bit like that. Then when the children are sort of looked after, then the adults maybe go out to play. Does that make yeah. decent yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. So it's but it's not it's not as it's not as Peter Griffin as you might expect it to be. <laughs> and uh, and I've yet to have a green shamrock shake. And I'm sure the green shamrock oh, shakes actually bad. contain um real shamrock at all no, in any way. Mean, but they're it's just but they're green. But you know, it's just, I think it's nice. It's nice when you see Niagara Falls dyed green, and you see um, you see the Eiffel Tower lit up green, and I think the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa green, and you know, the Grand Canyon I think is being turned green this year, and it's it's just a wonderful <laughs> thing. And if if people if people um, think that that being Irish or feeling Irish for a day isn't so bad. Um, um, but it makes you turn around and say hello to your neighbour, then I'm all for that. You know, let's go for it. Woohoo! Yeah. So, Peter, what have you been up to recently? You've been busy. Besides, you know, traveling around the world with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, my real. I'm, I'm not a very good secret agent, uh, to be honest with you, Chris. I don't think I'd make one. I think my accent would give it a little, uh, give it away. But um, I, I've really just been. Uh, I think I did 30 weeks away out of the country or away from my postal address is how it's worded um, last year. Yeah. And this year it's certainly gearing up to be the same. So uh, last night I was in London. I was speaking at the, I was the guest speaker at the APL awards. That's the association of professional landscapers in the UK. So their annual um, get together and awards was there. So they, they asked me would I speak to them um, uh, at that, which is a huge honor. Um, and it's a sort of an invitation thing, and I'm, I, I genuinely mean it. I'm very gracious and grateful and humbled that I get to do that. But it sort of lets you know that you're doing something all right in the world, and you're not the biggest of Egypts to ever exist, <laughs> or, um, if that makes sense. <clears throat> but uh, in between that, uh, I think um, the, probably the biggest bit of news is that there's a garden heading to Hampton Court Palace Flower Show in London. Uh, we'll start building that in June. Uh, so we relocate to London for about five weeks. Uh, Hampton Court Palace Flower Show, for your listeners who aren't aware, is the biggest, it's the largest flower show in the world. It takes about 140, 150,000 visitors. Uh, runs for about six days. So we'll, we'll build, as you would know, a, a normal show garden. Um, it's sponsored by um, 
uh, Park Cakes, who are based in Oldham in Manchester, and uh, <laughs> you can hear Jess laughing because, as you as you would all know, I've got three favourite loves, and one of them is Guinness, uh, the other is coffee, and the other is cake. And and any woman who owns all three of those items, it's 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 the Peter Donegan equivalent of gold, frankincense, and mirror. It just doesn't get any better than it, does it? Um, so, but that's that's going to be relocated to uh, a new project, and and I think probably uh, it is. In fact, it's a 160-acre eco park. It's the largest of its kind in the UK to be, and they're going to use this show garden to launch that. And so, Hampton Court is the garden that they've sort of powered behind, designed by yours truly and um, myself and Ed Burnham, uh, Burnham Landscaping. So it's Ed's 21st. RHS Royal Horticultural Society show garden um, we've got a huge team in behind us uh, I think we've got Pollyanna Wilkinson who's done Hampton Court twice as designer under her own name and we've got another uh, girl coming in whose last garden was Chelsea and uh, the, the list is sort of slightly endless but it's it's sort of one of those that you don't really want to get um wrong on a very large stage it's BBC I think have the, the rights for Hampton Court Palace Flower Show they'll be there filming literally all week that was a door closing behind me I've just got coffee coffee dropped down on my desk yeah I saw um, a walk behind you there yeah yeah so um but it's 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 quite a large stale, stage. My apologies. It's a very large stage. It's it's one of those where we do need the team to be bang on. You need your. I think we started preparing for this around last July. For um, in fact, our first meet was July seventh. For coincidentally, twelve months later. So that will give you an idea of how much planning. Um, goes into it. We have the plants growing in place at this moment. The structure is being built. The stone that we're using dates you, back to 1865 and that's all being selected. So I've been living in Manchester on and off in between now and uh, January. Can you talk about those stones? Are you allowed to talk about those stones? Yeah, no, it's it's all public now. So the, the, the um, it's interesting because Oldham's whole story was... was um, going back to 1865 and their main park that exists there. It's a park called Alexandra Park. And Alexandra Park was built um, mainly because the cotton famine started uh, or, or closed down all of the, the mills. And, and to put that in context, Oldham as a small, I say a small town, would have been producing more cotton at the time than Milan and Paris combined. Uh, it was a colossus of an industry and all of a sudden cotton famine comes along and literally the whole place is wiped out of it. So they, they started to build this park to, to give the boys jobs and give them, you might say, keep them occupied. And so the new eco park that we have then, uh, or that's going to be where this show garden will be relocated to after Hampton Court Palace Flower Show will back on one to the other. And so when when this whole story started to evolve and you realise it's the first or largest one since Alexandra, um, we, we were actually kicking, uh, I'm borrowing a cliche, but it's true, we were standing in, in um, Oldham Council's yard and I was kicking stones around the place and I was trying to find something in my head that would be a like a nice story and um, I, I just said to a guy called Robin Dirk and I said what, what are these stones over here and he said oh they're from the, the original um, courthouse it's a grade 2 listed building 
uh, and he said these ones over here he said they're from the original railway that would have gone around what is snipe cloth and he said these york stones over here he said they would have been used as the floors of the the mill and I said, is this a, is this a joke? Are you, are you winding me up? <laughs> and, and he went, no, I'm serious. And I said, how much have you got? And he said, how much do you want? And I said, well, about 70 square meters. And he said, I can get you that in the morning. And it was like, boom, there's the, the and that was the epiphany. That was the, the, the thing that we sort of needed. And I didn't realize, but they'd been um, moving it from place to place. It'd sort of been getting in their way. And it's very funny when, when, uh, um, you come to Dublin and you sort of are, you know, anybody goes to any other city and everybody always sees the beauty and everybody else is like the grass is sort of greener. And you think Salt Lake City has its flaws. And I walk into the door and I go, oh my God, your donuts are amazing. Your coffee cups are large. <laughs> your, your your vehicles are huge. People say, do you want, I remember going to the diner. I'd never been in a diner before. And the girl said, would you like breakfast? I went, sure. That's normally the answer that's given in Dublin. It's a kind of a, like, that's it. Okay, I'll bring you breakfast. And she said, what would you like? And I remember saying, um, I don't know, like food on a plate with a fork and a knife would be <laughs> a, pretty, a pretty good start. And, and so she said, would you like eggs? And I'm sure. And she said, would you like them? I was like 4,712 ways. I didn't know you could have eggs done in so many ways at all. And um, but but they, I guess, I'm not um, trying to insult Oldham, but I guess, the the you're never a prophet in your own land um, analogy or cliche in mind. I walked into their thing and saw nothing but rainbows and sunshine. And equally, I know Jess has been to Dublin and been to Ireland, and and it's sort of the same sort of goes across the way. And I think it's true of every city and every visitor to it. And I, I just I just think Oldham is just a fascinating place. Place it's got this rich heritage about it that that has existed for so long and it's never been put up on a stage. It reminds me of, you know, you hear these these guys who wrote books, you know, 40, 50 years ago and never actually sent them in to be published and all of a sudden they are now they're rock stars or they're, you know, they're, they're, they're put up on a very, very, very high stage and I'm sort of looking at them going, well, you're the same person I knew 50 years ago. What's the difference? Now you're being celebrated, and that's exactly what's happened here. I think Oldham had this wonderful, rich heritage. We've managed to figure out a way in somewhere in the back of Peter's magical head to turn it into a show <laughs> garden. Everybody said, um, and I mean everybody said, when I, said, when I rang them and said, um, I'm doing a garden, it's at Hampton. There wasn't one person who turned around and said, what is it? They just went, we're in, make the next call. And I just find that's fascinating. And, and I, I text one of the guys back saying, are you sure you're in? And he sent me back a picture. And it's like a little, I'll send it on to you. And it just has um, a, a line that I had used many times beforehand. If you're offered a seat in a rocket ship, don't ask what seat, just get on. And he sent me back that <laughs> quote. And I just went, boom, that's it. And everybody just joined in. And we've we've got this wonderful, magical garden with a wonderful team of, of people who are... Um, who were able to, I guess, back it up. And, and just to, to clarify and, and close on that point, <clears throat> I think it's one thing to have a daydream. But if you don't make it real, and we're talking you know, money here, it takes money to put a team together, to house them, to feed them, to get it to, to a place on a stage as, as eloquent and as large as Hampton Court. But if you don't back that up, now you're just a bit of a moron. 
you need to be able to, <laughs> to, to back it up and you need to be able to do what you say you want, you, you're going to be able to do. So as much as I daydream, that equation has to balance out. Otherwise, you just end up sitting in the corner of a pub, you know, talking about things that don't <laughs> exist for it. And that's that's no good to any man. So, so yeah, yeah, it's good. How, it's big, good. how big is your team? That Like how many people does it take to do uh, a garden like this and then also get it moved? So we... We, um, to, to put in context of it, so if we take the timelines, and, and apologies, Jess, if I go around about on, on the answer, but to, to put into context how, how big a project it is, what, what you're really trying to do is to build a stage, but you're trying to do it in the space of about two weeks. So somebody coming on to, to weld a piece of metal doesn't happen. Somebody doing a bit of painting of, of uh, a structure it doesn't happen. Somebody cleaning down a bit of stone doesn't happen. That's done six, seven months beforehand. Everything is done so far in advance. So July meeting last year, accepted by the RHS in September, which means July to September, all designs are um, confirmed in between. From September then, we start sourcing all of the people who are going to join the team and you piece all that together. And it was last week, we had about six men just selecting stone because we've obviously got to get these um, two, three ton pieces of York stone, which takes maybe two or three men and or on machine to, to put into place. We've got to fit it into a jigsaw of a garden that's or a design that's already existed. So once we have all of that part, that's one team, team which sort of operates behind the scenes. Um, then we start to get down into it. So when we take Pollyanna and Naomi and Chloe, who look after, will look after the planting uh, team, um, that's that's one end of it. So there's them. And I think uh, we may have Paul Twig from the University of Nebraska, uh, who you would have met. He's uh, awesome. Paul, yeah. yeah. Paul may be coming in as well. Um uh, and then on on the contractor side, so but look, by the time I add it all up, we've probably got about twenty five to thirty people all in, but they will never be there at all. Maybe points at the time. same time. Yeah, that's incredible. Mm. Are you drinking two spots coffee? I just want to know that. I, yeah, I have <laughs> two spots two spots coffee to uh, Jezebel's. They they haven't made a delivery in some time um, because they don't know when I'm 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 home uh, as as much, and so we haven't been able to to hook up. They um they were very good to me. I have to say over the years we have a a sort of enough for money um, relationship, which which uh, sums up a lot of things that that I tend to do in my life. Um, but when we built the last or HS. Um, garden show garden they they brewed us a um uh, a two spots coffee perennial garden uh rhs cardiff i think it was it was in fact in 2019 when we won the silver medal and so they made us a special brew and sent over four kgs for us so we were we were the only garden <laughs> with our own with our own boiler and fresh dispensed coffee and and i think it was um it was an absolute privilege and a joy i think when you got we're back to it again jess aren't we when you got good donuts and good coffee life is pretty <laughs> life is pretty good yeah yeah so yeah it's all good they're good guys so Peter, I, I, I'm curious. What do you think it is that? So I, there are certainly gardens like that here in the U.S., but the English in particular seem to just have this like uncanny desire to have these gardens built and be able to. to... They need some place to drink their tea. <laughs> but I mean, really, what do you what do you think it is that? I, I just it seems to me the English more than any other. Uh, society really love these types of of gardens and creations. Why do you think that is? 
Um, you're, you're right in what you're saying, Chris. You've, you've hit the money. Uh, you've, you've, you've really hit a bang on the head. So to, for your listeners who may not be aware, the Royal Horticultural Society is now a 200-plus-year-old institution. That's the first thing. Uh, Chelsea Flower Show is more than you know 100 and something years of age. It's one of the oldest flower shows literally um, around. It's 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 survived two world wars. It survived absolutely everything. It's it's there and it's on the go a very 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 long time. But there is a very rich heritage and a very rich history in uh, appreciating. Um, uh, gardens, the design of gardens, and and how it's all done, and and if you take Ireland uh, as as maybe a, a as I call it an island off the coast of England, um, we have a very rich uh, history and a very rich heritage in um, horse training and in, in in agriculture. Maybe not so much in uh, from the horticulture, or at least the design perspective of it. But it's a funny thing when you look at England um, or the UK, and you look at it as a country and how it would have done its, shall I call it, its business over the last couple of hundred years. And what you actually find is countries that have uh, an appreciation of art and architecture, you might think of the Mona Lisa and you might think of Paris, and, and that is one thing that they have is certainly in their, in their arsenal. When you think of England, it's gardening and garden design is, is excess cash, and it's down to wealth. And Ireland historically to to be to be somewhat fair about things, I hope I word this correctly, but we didn't really have a rich history of um, of maybe wealth in the country. If if you look at places like Salt Lake City, for example, you know there's we've we've got more castles in Ireland than you can than you could shake a stick at. Um, pardon my my use of the, the <laughs> cliche, but we have more castles than you could than, than you can ever imagine in this country, and we have a, a landscape um, that has been shaped by nature and that we inherited. So maybe in in a sense, Ireland didn't need to do that thing that people find uh, how would you say it beautiful. But when you look at England's history and you look at its legacy and you look at its heritage, they're still building castles the whole time, still building grand estates throughout the 1700s, the 1600s, the 1800s, and in fact the 1900s. And it's just something that has just evolved with them. And I think it's quite wonderful that they've they've got this um, they've got this appreciation, they've got this society, they've got this thing that they've never really let go of, where they, it, it allows people like me to go and design gardens there to, to rate an RHS medal. Uh, and a, to rate an RHS show and put it on a platform where across the world it's well known that Hampton Court Palace Flower Show is a show that um, that people will take a stand back and say, my God, even even being accepted to there is something worth noting and something worth you know um, paying attention to. Uh, and and I I feel very privileged to to be accepted there. And again, I'll go back and say it, even being invited to speak at the APL Awards, uh, the largest and one of the finest uh, landscape associations in Great Britain, to be invited to do that, to have a show accepted there, to to be doing the garden that I did in France, to have that noted in the Royal Horticultural Society magazine, it it, it really does say something, but there's no getting away from it. They just, I, I think they just have this heritage and appreciation for it that, I, I don't think anybody can compete with it. And to put that in context, Ireland's oldest garden show was, was born in 2007. Oh, wow. Know? 
yeah, and then you then you take two hundred years. <laughs> you know, it's just it's a colossus. It's a, so far apart that we will never catch catch up with it. And, and you, like like I said, look, you go to Italy and they've got the Sistine Chapel. They've got it. They've got something that is entirely different, but it's not uh, horticulture. And that's that's just horses for courses, I guess, historically. Yeah, they've got a lot of uh, coronavirus there too. <laughs> <laughs> We have a we have a better running theme today. We we talked a lot about coronavirus before we started talking to you. Um, yeah, yeah. So hey, how, how did that? Because last time we did talk to you, you were working on that uh, that garden in France or getting ready to. How did that? How did that all turn out? So the, the garden in France was um, it's it's sort of got a similarity to the garden to be in in Olam. Um, the Garden of France, for your listeners who may not remember me being on a year ago, it was the dry up. Two years ago. Two, two, my apologies. Wow, time flies. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a long time. Peter bought at Lorien.com is my new website. Um, <laughs> <laughs> October 25th, 1985. That was the date. I remember it well. Um, but no, the, 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 the castle in France, and it, and it was very much a... Um, a castle uh, built for defending uh, to differentiate if you close your eyes and you see the turreted castle where maybe Rapunzel threw down her hair or it's got mm-hmm. a pointy top that's mainly of grandeur it's of eloquence they've got big windows in them uh, big windows are not for defending anything uh, the Chateau de Peron or Peron P-O-R-O-N-N-E was a, um, a defence castle it was five big columns with solid walls built in between and inside it it then contained uh, an internal courtyard. It had the stereotypical moat. Um, it was blown up in uh, the Franco-Prussian War, which is 1871. It fell again in 1914 at the start of the First World War, and it fell again in the Second World War. And so, Not a very good defensive castle, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I leave how that all happened to the history books, Chris. But uh, I think I think you know it's sort of like a game of rock paper scissors. And unfortunately, when you've got a tank and the castle doesn't do anything back, but um, I think that the difficulty in that one was <laughs> the difficulty in that one was trying to um, create a garden where people would uh, naturally feel that it was a good place to to go and bearing in mind its history number one and number two that moats were designed always to keep people out and now you're saying well well come on in and the castle couldn't really figure out how to do that and so yours truly with the the magical childlike um this is a compliment and maybe an insult in the one go but but that childlike ability to make a a daydream an equation and then only ever appear like a daydream again um is basically what i was tasked with doing um and that's what that's what we did so it completed in time for uh the centenary of the armistice or the the signing of the peace agreement um 100 years of it and then a year later uh they they had this whole big ceremony where they inaugurated it. And I, I remember the director of the castle, Hervé Francois, who's a very good friend of mine now. And um, Hervé came up to me and he said, I won't do the French accent, but he said, Peter, you know you've done something <laughs> well when the, the photograph um, has you pushed into the second line as the designer. And it's true. When you look at the photograph of them cutting the, the ribbon to open, officially open the garden, um, I got nudged back 
because the politicians <laughs> wanted to make it into the front for the, for the official photograph. And I, I took that as a huge uh, compliment from him. So, yeah, that was um, September uh, just gone. So a year after the garden was completed. And then it's it, I've pretty much been between London um, now Manchester, we were due back in France um, and still am due back in France to work on the internal courtyard of the castle. Um, they had a, a whole series of trees planted in the middle of it, um, I'd say probably about 60 odd years ago, 70 maybe years ago. Um, but they're eaten down into the internal chambers of the castle, so they need to come out. They need a new garden to go in there. And so I think the castle have employed me directly to to do that. And so I'll go back and say it, um, Chris, to to answer your uh, original question on, uh, or maybe my answer when speaking about Hampton Court. There's a point in time where you pinch yourself and say, you know, the little kid from from Ireland who used to grow plants under his bed when he was six years of age, <laughs> who did his first garden when he was nine, who got paid five pounds or seven pounds um, way back then, and you grow up and you you, you sort of feel like you're you're part of a Tom Petty um, video, and it just doesn't make sense. You know the one with Johnny Depp, it, and yeah, yeah, you're just you're just living the dream now. You say I'm living the dream, Chris. You know, I'm. I'm... Uh, you're you're like friends with the president of France, like that's you know. But that's. <laughs> but that's there's, there's, a, there's a TV um, uh, program that I have to do. Uh, uh, I'm designing gardens for in in Ireland, and I hadn't done a whole lot in Ireland. And um, the producer Joe, who's a particularly um, lovely lady, I have a lot of time for her, and she she was looking through, I guess. My, my website and I just got a text off for saying boy you do love a pick with a president don't you and uh, <laughs> and there was obviously Mary Robinson and and uh, yeah there's there's a certain element uh, definitely a certain element of it comes with um, I think the higher the profile of the garden maybe the more you tend to shake hands with people who you wouldn't normally expect to shake um, shake hands with yeah there's a, certainly a bit about that <laughs> Well, and I mean, it, it's it is. I mean, it really is kind of living the dream in a sense because you're getting to do what you love, uh, but it just clearly got to pull you away from your family, right? Like, and like you said, you've been in England and in France and all over the place, and not at home in Ireland. Do they do they get to travel around with you, or do you just have to come back and see them? Well, there was a joke down the lo- not a joke. There was um, it was a newspaper article written about me uh, in the Irish Times and they had covered the story of the Peace Garden in France and it, I think it started somebody pulled it out and showed it to me and they, the, the first, so the first newspaper oh, Peter Donegan will relocate to France for so many weeks to see the um, realisation of the uh, Irish Peace Garden to completion and then I had Peter Donegan has relocated then I had Peter Donegan has moved and then the next one read Peter Donegan had emigrated and <laughs> so I, I went I, I didn't know this and I went in and asked for um, a pint of Guinness and Louise the girl, <laughs> the girl behind the bar said what are you doing here I said, I don't know, came down, came down for a pint. And she went, no, what What are you doing here? You don't You don't live here. I went, no, I do live here. And she went, no, you don't. And I went, no, I do. I'm me. I'm here. I Look, I'll pinch my own hand. And um, and so there, there's a bit of that about it. But um, the, the question actually came up over 
the 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 weekend in in London, and they were saying to me, you know, would you not move to London? And I said, yeah, but I still have to go back to France for three weeks. So you start to realise it actually doesn't matter where I live, it doesn't matter what my postal address is, I'm still just going to be travelling, you know, hither dither around the place. But you know, look, it's the same as the four of you guys sitting together. There's sort of doesn't matter how much travelling you got to do. You come home, you sit with your friends, you're wearing your I shot JR T-shirt. And, and a pair of shorts and you're, you're having a, a bowl of cornflakes or a bowl of porridge and, and that's where home is so I think it's probably fair to suggest I just don't have a, a normal job where I'm off on a Friday and a Saturday and then I start work again on a Monday and I finish at 6 o'clock that's certainly not the case but then you got to turn around and ask yourself what did you want to do when you were 5-6 years of age and, and are you sort of doing it and so Maybe it's not always as shiny as it appears on the outside, but um, but I think I'll quote mom in saying I, I always found it very hard to sit still. And so mm-hmm. I sort of like the idea of being at home and then I get home and then I kind of go, I want to go again. <laughs> so, and, and invariably something sort of pops up on the radar and I get a call to do something in London and I just accept it. I don't blame you. I'd do the same thing. Yeah. Well, I've got to get back to Salt Lake. I know I've been saying that for a bit, but I just need, um, I think I just need a, a decent excuse. I need, uh, I need, <laughs> I need one. sponsor of, you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not so much, it's not so much a money thing though, Jess. You, you just need a, you've got to have a, and I think that's the thing I'll say to you. The, the, the one reason I get to go to France or, or move to Wales for five weeks or move to London this year for five weeks. They're usually pretty valid excuses um, to, to, to go or usually very good reasons. And uh, and I've been, I've been quite lucky in that. I think I've certainly had the variety in it, but I just haven't, the, the right thing hasn't popped up on my radar to go back to um, I got Salt it. Lake. The New Utah yeah. podcast and Peter tour the national parks. Wow. I'm going to rent a van and drive around to Utah's national parks. How's that sound? Yes. We'll, we'll have, um, yes, yes, to, yes to everything that, that that involves. Yeah, we'll um, we'll we'll get the uh, who's your who's your 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 friends the, the cake company that I follow on Twitter. The cake company is it Jess Ruby Snap? Oh, Ruby the Snap, cookie company, the Ruby yeah, Snap. Yeah, yeah, Ruby yeah, Snap. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get a case of that stuff, and we get a case. The one of that spelled Patty wrong. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can explain that joke if you want to. Oh, we did. We, we actually did, we did a whole like segment about it. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Yep. Yeah. Well, Paddy's a burger, and uh, <laughs> and Paddy isn't. And uh, and there you go. No, my favorite one was was when it was in um, was when it, when it was in your one of your pubs on St Patrick's Day in seventeen, and this guy told me my Irish accent was stupid. And I said, oh, I'm, really, I'm really sorry. It's the, it's the only one I have. And uh, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it's all good. That's like good. that's like the epitome of a of a Utah, though, that they would just assume that you're doing a fake accent because nobody nobody from outside here really travels here that much. Like we don't really get that many just foreign visitors like people move here to live here but i I, that's you're probably the first irish person he'd ever heard actually speak and so he thought you were faking it well 
it was funny that the conversation came up again in um, in London, uh, and and as we we're recording, I only arrived back in. I think it was about twelve o'clock last night. So it's what are we were four o'clock in the daytime Irish time. Um, but one of the the guys in London actually said to me when I came off stage, he said, "You speak very clear." Um, your, your Irish accent isn't very strong. And I said, what did you expect me to sound like? Did you expect it to be, oh, turn alert, be Jesus. Do you remember the old Batman series <laughs> with Chief O'Halloran? <laughs> I said, like, what did, what did, what television cartoon programs have you been watching all of your life? Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no. But even back home, even here in, in uh, Ireland, uh, I think depending on where I go, people will in Dublin will tell me that my accent is, isn't very strong Dublin um, but when I go outside of Dublin they'll tell me that it is when I go outside of Ireland they'll tell me it's not very but it's you know so I, I don't know maybe it's the fact that I've travelled a lot yeah that's just yeah but say. you can also see I mean you're spending time in both London and Manchester and they I mean that's completely different in Manchester you know uh, I don't I don't know if it's an accent I don't know is definitely much thicker and sometimes more difficult to understand than somebody from London. So I don't know, but that's just, I bet it, I bet it has to do with all of the traveling that you've done and how long you stay where you travel. It's not just a few days or a week, but you've probably picked up things here and there that you take back home with you. I think there's that to be fair. There, there is a strong element of, of that maybe, but I think the other thing is, um, when I started to get invited to speak, um, I think I did a talk about two years ago in London and I met this guy and he said, oh, Peter, how, how are you? I was just about to walk on stage and I shook his hand and he went, I hope I'm not going to need subtitles for this talk. <laughs> and and I just it was basically just a reminder in my own head to slow it down. Um, and, and I think if you have ever, well, yeah, you haven't had the privilege nor the honor or the misfortune, maybe depending, to be stuck in between me and my seven siblings having a, a conversation all at the same time. And it may sound quite melodic and jovial and, and happy, but you would have no idea what anybody was saying. And it's only <laughs> when you start to get into the Irish language, then you realize it has this sort of very melodic um, flow to it. But they speak at a rate of knots. They just speak so fast; it's 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 quite unreal. And so I think I've learned to to slow down my thing and my opening line for my own talk um, at the uh, the APL Awards in in London uh, the day before last was. Um, there are no subtitles for this uh, speech. I'm terribly sorry, ladies and gentlemen. And a Scottish guy got up after me who was the, the main sponsor and nobody could understand what he and was he saying. he was way so, harder to understand. Yeah. <laughs> he was way harder. So when I got back up on stage, I noted the fact that they should have had subtitles for that guy. And the joke about me didn't really, wasn't really warranted. But, uh, but yeah, there you are. I think you should start doing all of your speeches with an, with just like an American accent now. <laughs> just surprise people. You'll get up and they'll be like, what? <laughs> you think I should do it with an American accent? Yeah, just just get together with like Hugh Laurie. That guy has the best American oh, accent man. ever. Yeah, the first time I heard him speak with his English accent totally threw me for a loop. I... Yeah, I can't do, I wouldn't do that to you though. I think I've got a, a ton of American accents in my in my head, but then every time I go to do them, 
I start to think of people who do Irish accents and invariably they like sound Chris. like leprechauns. <laughs> yeah, what? they just sound what? like leprechauns. <laughs> and, and you kind of go, no, Peter, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> go on, Chris, do your accents. Do your accents. Do your accents. No, no, I'm not doing it. You want it. to do it, buddy. You want to That's do it. Go do I... it. I'm so not good at him. He 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 already did it in our intro, and we we uh, mentioned that you might be making die. fun of it later. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will watch. I will watch the Park in remembrance of you, though, uh, this week. And and to get a shamrock shake, all you have to do is get some mint chocolate chip ice cream or some mint Oreo ice cream and make a shake out of it. And now you can say you've had a shamrock shake because that's all it is. There's no yeah. shamrocks in there. Yeah, no shamrocks. I mean, oh. if you wanted to throw some in. Aren't shamrocks poisonous? Uh, I'm not aware of <laughs> shamrocks being poisonous. Uh, uh, really? No, no. I think there's, um, if I remember correctly, <laughs> no, actually, no. But I've never actually eaten. I have eaten shamrock, actually. I have eaten shamrock, yeah. But not poisonous. I'm still here. <laughs> Very bitter taste, which often deters dogs and cats from consuming large quantities. However, when ingested in large enough quantities in small animals, it can result in poisoning dog, dogs, cats, and even humans. So, yes, in fact, they can be poisonous. In large amounts. Don't so, eat a lot. Don't make no, a salad no out of No shamrock salads. <laughs> Nobody's going to eat a field of shamrock. It tastes of, it's, it's basically water, Chris. That's all it is. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a water, good watercress, though. In in small portions. Have we just morphed yeah, into a horticultural gardening podcast all of a sudden? Have we? <laughs> yeah, we need. A, yeah, since we are, let's talk about the demise of the sod show and the what the demise. It was the demise. Is really it sound, sad. You make it sound like he destroyed it. He did. He just no, took, it, took it out in a field and <laughs> shot it in the head. He buried it. Wow. He's growing something new. Um, <laughs> yeah, go for it. No, just, yeah, go ahead. Well, what's what's the what's the question? Just, well, you had done it for how many years had had you been doing it? Seven years, Two. nine years? Nine, about nine years in total. It was nearly heading for ten, and um, it started in two thousand and ten when um, there was no garden radio show of the on the British Isles outside of the BBC. And so you couldn't get on to the BBC because their format was a, a sort of a panel um, gardener's question time uh, being the big one. Um, but all BBC models tended to follow that sort of same format. So every single BBC, doesn't matter whether it's BBC London, BBC Radio Manchester, BBC whatever the case may be, they all had this panel thing and, and the, the, the panelists were always the same people over and over again. So how do you get on to tell a story? How do you promote a business at the height of a depression? How do you do anything? So rather than sort of crying or whinging that there was no, no, nothing or nowhere to go, um, I, I we went to a radio station and just said, how are you doing? We want to start a garden radio show. And they said, sure. Um, and then it started to get acclaim because it was Ireland's only and things got a little bit out of control, I suppose. And it became something a hell of a lot bigger than I certainly anticipated it would ever become. Um, we got into a little bit of trouble with the, the broadcasting authorities. Not major trouble, just when you're covering something like Chelsea Flower Show, they have a sort of a ruling where you can't do 30 episodes from there. Logically, it's understandable. Uh, and I wasn't going to change that. So I said, right, fine. So we pulled it and we made it podcast only. 
then around 2015 or so we started doing that um, and, and it just ballooned and in 2016 uh, the Guardian newspaper uh, the BBC the Royal Horticultural Society and yours truly the one man show were the finalists for the Garden Media Guild Awards in the UK and all of a sudden everything sort of changed and you, you, you started to get offers and press releases and people whose names were, you know, they would have been Broadway names as far as horticulture is concerned, were saying, can I come on your your podcast? And uh, it, it was it was so, it was just, it was really surreal. I ended up obviously doing um, the show in, in Salt Lake City. Uh, it had been listed in sort of all of these top 10 things of places to go. And obviously this is before podcasting became what it is now, which is to almost like the craft beer phenomenon or the, you know, the, the coffee phenomenon, whatever you, which way you want to analogize it. And, yeah. Neither uh, of those are bad things, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, none of them are bad, but I think, I think in horticulture, Chris, you, you've got to, um, it's worth taking into consideration when, when I give you that list of the Guardian newspaper, the BBC and the Royal Horticultural Society, when they're the only people who are broadcasting uh, the spoken word of horticulture, and then all of a sudden, Peter comes to town. You, 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 do you know what I mean? It, you don't really fit in, or it doesn't yeah. fit in the mix, and it and it clicked. And I'm I'm very grateful uh, that I that I was sort of on the cusp of that, or that I hit it when podcasting became a little bit more acceptable, and people knew how to listen to it. I think the podcast, the Sod Show pulled, or I pulled the plug on the Sod Show at a time when podcasting was very much a richness but in 16 and 15 um, most people didn't even know how to listen to one if I'm quite honest with you um, yeah, they ask you what time it was on yeah, they can yeah, watch yeah. it <laughs> well that was the, again and if I take the intro line for the um, BBC one theirs was always um, you are tuned to a download of the uh, Gardener's Question Time podcast uh, you'll be back to the weeding in 45 minutes and that was the whole thing that even by their <laughs> intro, it was, you know, sit by the wireless on, Friday, uh, on a Friday at three o'clock and st- everything stops. And when you think about somebody who sits by the wireless on a Friday at 3 p.m., that certainly puts into context that you're not working. Or you can afford to have somebody stay at home, stop gardening during that time and sit in the conservatory and listen to the radio for 45 minutes before you head back out into the garden. It's a total different mindset. And so when you listen to the Sod Show, it was very much if you're on the the underground in Salt Lake City, if you're on the Tube in London. And so I changed the release time. You start to realize the release time actually doesn't matter. Um, so long as it's not on a Friday at 3 p.m. And that's exactly what I did once we pulled it off radio. We actually made it onto a Wednesday. And you get into the headset of somebody who wants it, the same as yourselves. I, I know you're the only two-hour podcast that's in my uh, listing. I know if I listen to the Arsenal one, it's about an hour and 10 minutes. So I'll usually use yours on a journey where um, if I'm heading across the water, if I'm going to France, you're the perfect one to listen to. If I'm coming a long back from journey France, where you need to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> or mow the lawn. Uh, you're a funny bunch. <laughs> you're, you're a funny bunch of lads. Do you know that? I have to give you credit, though, because your format, I know it's a, you don't have a format as such. But your format to me still is Jess reads out events and never actually gets there. And then, yep. 
<laughs> and then the happy couple end up talking about their daughter and college and, and how her dorm room is a mess and how she knows nothing about cars. And then Oh you've my got... gosh, she had another car incident too. <laughs> is this a joke? Or you may... Have you got a list of... Oh. Okay. We just talk. Yeah, she totally did. She drove to California, and her car totally died, and she had to take it there and get her dis- something with to do with her distributor fixed. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then in the meantime, and then in the meantime, you just got a bearded gentleman who's into architecture and likes giggling a lot, and I just think it's fascinating that that is the actual <laughs> miracle of what is what is your your podcast. It's wonderful. <laughs> As he and then we talk to random people from all over the place, mostly yeah. Utah, sometimes Ireland. Yeah, but your, your guests, are, your, your guests are good. If I'm honest with you, it's it's when you when you listen to somebody talking about making cookies, and it actually makes you listen. And you you also have a wonderful ability of when you do have people who are into politics on the show, you tend to find that you treat them exactly the same way that you do Jess. No offense, Jess, but they never actually get to finish the serious stories. And that's the only thing that, that's the only thing that makes me stay on. If it was any other um, podcast in the planet and they were interviewing a politician, I know that the, the hosts of it would take it entirely seriously. And I don't think any politician should ever be taken seriously, ever. No, they should not. No. And most of them aren't going to tell you any kind of like real truth if you let them just drone on anyway. So, I think they're all fictitious people. I think they're just. Do you remember in Home Alone where they had the people cut out the cardboard cutouts and they were on the like the, the roller track? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the rest of them are just oh, made up. Exactly. Like Pull on the ropes and they're dancing in the windows. <laughs> you, you just got it, Chris. The rest of them are um, are, are all um, were all invented by Disney and the makers of um, your favorite TV shows. And, Let's be clear: and, Disney didn't invent anything. They stole other people's stuff and then changed copyright laws so they couldn't have their shit stolen. Well, the only yeah, thing I know: is no- if you go to Beverly Hills Cop, there was an alternate there, and nobody took the franchise for it. <laughs> oh, man. I, love yeah. Beverly Hills. I, I actually do too. I like the music in it. Yeah. What was Wonder? Wasn't it Wonder World? Wasn't it? Uh, I, don't I don't think so. I don't know. What that was movie the, old Peter? What was the team park that they had in Beverly Hills Cup? Um, I don't know. Let me look. Chris is googling it. He None of us can remember. You you always Google things mid show. Yeah, yeah, why not? Because he's got a computer sitting in front of him. Doo, doo, in Beverly doo. Hills Cup 3, right? Let's see. Doo, 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 Wonder doo. World, you were right. Hey, quit flipping yeah. me off. <laughs> Wonder World. Yeah, there you go. Wally World was in vacation. Yeah. yeah. Summer vacation. Yep. You go to Wally World. Paramount's 100-acre theme park, Wonder there World. Go. There you go. There you go. Should have <laughs> run with that one. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have had the Disneyland in Paris then. <laughs> <laughs> or Tokyo or any other place that there's a Disneyland. Yeah. yeah. Or the world with just an Irish well, Right bar. now there's not any Disneyland. They're all closed. Well, we won't talk about that. We won't talk about that. <laughs> Secret, secretly, you know what's happened, Bree, in, in all of the Disneylands. When you go into the Happy Grotto, you just go down a fake set of stairs and it just turns around and it's actually just an Irish bar and you can sit there and have a pint of Guinness. And it's just a whole load of Disneyland employees going, God, thank God those kids aren't wailing in the background. Anybody for another <laughs> pint of Guinness? <laughs> 
<laughs> sure, I'm happy to have just a straight up day off. What do you think of the gardens? What do you think of the Disney Gardens, by the way? Because they they do quite a bit of work on their gardens in in the theme parks for Disney. I, have you, you ever been? Well, no, and you're going to find this. Well, some people find this um, fascinating. I didn't realize this till uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, recording uh, it was the TV program that, that I'm working on at the minute, and uh, they, they mentioned Disneyland in Paris and Disneyland in in uh, the States, and um, I've I've never actually been to a theme park. I've never been to. There's a whole host of things that I've never been to, but I've never been to one of them. I don't know what it's like. Peter, let's go to Disneyland Paris. That's your reason to come here go to Paris. Well, I've never been to one of them, and you're the only people I know who've ever been to a a Comic Con as well. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully it happens this year, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it was the year, was it last year or the year before, you'd bought some new... um, recording equipment and you did all of these little yes. vox pops out there and i i yeah. found the whole thing fascinating and then i went on to uh, youtube because i was listening back to that episode and i think i sent just a link to it on on whatsapp and i realized that all of the women were terribly um underdressed or may get cold very very quickly <laughs> I'm obviously being choice in my words uh, here um, in case this is replayed back in Ireland and I get into trouble. But uh, yes, yeah, very cold, very quickly, I would have said. Is, is that a fair way to word Scantily it? Scantily clad lasses, yeah. They're, they're, uh-huh. they're, in co- they're in cosplay. They're dressing up as their favorite characters across cartoons and comics. And they try and be as, as sexy as possible a lot of times. A lot of times they achieve that very um, quickly. <laughs> it's, it's, Just uh, keep in mind the average age of those is probably under 18. So, I, like I, I, I said, no, I would say mid 20s. There were there were the girl that I was that I well sorry the, I'll try and take that again. The video clip that I sent Jess, there was no way in God's earth that that woman was under 40 something years of age. There was no way. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Justice cosplay, though. Have you seen that, Peter? I've seen because um, I know Jess put up some photographs on on Instagram, and um, uh, they uh, am I correct? They look like sort of um, for for people from Ireland maybe listening. They look like the type of um, candy diner type costumes. Is that a fair way to call that, Jess? Yeah, those are for Dapper Day. My Comic Con stuff is is totally different. <laughs> yeah, that's for when she goes to to Disneyland when they do Dapper Days. We'll make sure that she sends you pictures of her Comic Con <laughs> cosplays because they're fantastic. Yeah, but yeah, you she have puts to, a lot of thought into them. Well, I, I think again, as a guy who who has never been to a Comic Con and knows very few of the characters that you're sort of talking about, so my apologies if I've got my description of. Um, of what you wear and how you do things at these these events i've never most i don't know anybody in in ireland i don't know anybody who's ever been to one <laughs> yeah uh i think i was considering being father ted but i don't think anyone here would be oh my god somebody <laughs> would get it no no one would, would get, get father ted here they would. <laughs> that show is so good <laughs> I just I can't I can't dress up at those things. I don't want people to pay attention to me. I think I should, I just want to just slide past everybody and have no one no, no one notice. 
Yeah, um, I think I think describing a, a Comic Con cosplay thing to somebody in Ireland is like trying to describe Father Ted and hurling to somebody in Salt Lake City. And, <laughs> we and have hurling own. here, and no, we have curling, curling here in Salt Lake City. Cur- never mind. <laughs> curling and hurling. Like never a, mind. Never yeah, mind. I'm totally wrong. Different. You have hurling in the states, all right. You do I'm have. Sure do. I'm sure we do. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just a little bit. Um, Probably Scottish festivals. <laughs> it's not. We're we're not doing. This. Are, we, are we doing this again? <laughs> no, but I had to do it at least once. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. For for those of your listeners who aren't aware, um, sorry for hogging your microphone, Chris, but uh, I think it was about two or three years ago I became Scottish uh, rather than Irish, and basically they were the same thing. And I think that's. Yeah, that's- a joke that's right? now yeah, they, making a reappearance, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one's more connected to England than the other. That's really the difference, right? Well, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, that's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One's an island and one isn't, Chris. I think that's a better way to put it, maybe. Well, technically, they're both islands. No, Scotland is just not. like part of a bigger island, right? Well, well, I suppose technically then that's also correct, but now you've just changed your original word. (laughs) This is like a bad TV game show. That's like saying the U.S. is an island because we're part of a bigger island. (laughs) It's called a continent. Uh, My favorite meme this time of year since we are around St. Patrick's Day. uh, It says says everyone's a little Irish uh, on St. Patrick's Day, except the Scottish. We're still Scottish. Yeah. Still uh, Peter, thanks for thanks for talking to us and taking some time out of your very busy, very not at home schedule to to hook up with us and have a chat. Oh, it's a pleasure, lads. It really is. I was I was talking to uh, Jess, I think, a couple of weeks ago, and we were we were sort of just saying, isn't it funny? You know, I was um, uh, I was speaking to Michael from the Hibernian Society. Um, also a couple of weeks ago when you think all this time sort of later that, that we're, we're still in touch it's very easy to fall out but I have to give you credit it's um, it's nice to see the, the card that I sent you sitting up on the shelf uh, still yeah. hasn't we been taken it. down and um, and, it, and it is it's a real pleasure I think it says a lot when when sort of three four years later that you're still sort of in touch with people and, and keep up the good work I'm a big fan of, of what you do and I have huge credit for anybody who sits down once a week as a group of mates and makes other people smile as a as a hobby I just think that in itself is just wonderful so congratulations well done and, and thank you so much for having me on again it's been a real pleasure thanks, thanks for being thanks, on Peter excellent well uh Thanks again to our guest, Peter. We love uh, you, Peter. I mate or something. I, <laughs> I mate. I mate. I can't do an Irish accent. Arr. <laughs> um, I will take a vacation there at some point. That will happen. And then Peter will and have to host me. The, the language helps. But, but the language. <laughs> I'll speak Gaelic. Yeah, that'd be so rad. Uh, but uh, Peter will have to host us. Uh, my guess is he'll be out doing something somewhere else and not be able to. But, you know, flights are actually pretty reasonable from here to Dublin. So Yes, uh, that is true. Especially right yeah, now. Right now they're really reasonable. <laughs> that is true. Because um, Ireland, interestingly enough, part of the UK, so you can fly there if you want. <laughs> it's not they, part of the travel ban. Uh, also, it's not part of the UK. <laughs> Ireland is too part of the UK. Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom. It's not part of England. Ireland and Scotland are the UK. 
Ireland is its own. I'm pretty sure. That's part of the half UK. of Ireland half. is, and half of it. That's why Brexit was such a pro, is such an interesting issue, issue for, for them Ireland. because they've been able to do the border thing. But now that's, that's neither here nor there. It doesn't actually matter. I'm not flying to Ireland anytime soon, so it doesn't really matter. But flights, generally speaking, are relatively reasonable to Dublin. Um, so I will go there at some point because Brie wants to meet her dad. <laughs> uh, it's actually someplace I've always wanted to go. Ireland, Scotland, Italy. Just walk around. Who's your daddy? But if you uh, if you like what you heard, uh, please share us. Uh, also, feel free to leave a review on whatever place it is that you uh, look at our shit uh, or listen to our shit. Um, you can yeah, follow us at it. on Facebook, the New Utah Podcast. Uh, Twitter and Instagram is at TNU Podcast, and our website, thenewutah.com, is a fantastic place to get all the information you ever wanted on things that you can do after the coronavirus is over. That's right. Um, some of that stuff you can do now. You could go hike around some national parks, but probably stay away from Zion because they get a lot of people down there. I want you all to have a, a safe St. Patrick's Day drinking alone in your basement. Um, St. Patrick's Day is long over once they hear this uh, in three days. That's true. Or longer. So uh, have a safe St. Patrick's Day 2021 wherever you, <laughs> you want to have that. <laughs> Everything will be back tomorrow. 